Uh, scripture passage for today is 1 John 2, verses 7 through 11, and this is the Common English Bible Version. And I've entitled the sermon, Love One Another. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the message you heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light already shines. The one who claims to be in the light while hating a brother or sister is in the darkness even now. The person loving a brother and sister stays in the light. And there's nothing in the light that causes a person to stumble, but the person who hates a brother or a sister is in the darkness and lives in the darkness and doesn't know where to go because the darkness blinds the eyes. One of the alternate has I had in life was, uh, and I think I've mentioned this before, a decision between uh, becoming a poet and going to grad school for creative writing or going into campus ministry, full-time ministry. And of course, I chose uh, ministry, uh, but I still am a poet, and I like to write poetry. The thing about poetry is that it uses a lot of creative language, obviously, and uses a lot of imagery, right? Images. And I was reflecting on this and thinking, why do poets use images? Why do we use images, metaphors and similes and things like that and kind of language that is out of the box maybe, language that you wouldn't say in a regular conversation at work? Um, and as I was thinking about the reasons, I thought, well, one, images stick, right? You might not remember something that someone says to you in words, right? Like a professor in a lecture, giving a lecture, giving you facts and details. You might not remember it as much as an illustration, right? Of an image or a picture of what he's trying to talk about. Because that picture or image sticks in our mind, in our hearts, in our, in our heads. And the other thing about imagery and images is we begin uh, to live into the images. We might not understand the metaphor that's being said completely, but that metaphor takes on more and more layers, more and more nuances, right? That's why Jesus spoke in parables. He spoke in stories that had images in it, whether that's a sower sowing a seed, a mustard seed growing up to a large tree. He told these stories because you might understand it on one level, but as you begin to live life you know, maybe the next day, the next week, the next year, that image or that metaphor begins to take more depth and more meaning. Like, oh, that's what that means, right? Um, images continue to, in that way, images continue to unveil and become more complex. They communicate complex ideas and nuances with elegance. They create culture and ethos. Right? Images create culture and ethos. For instance, if you look at the Renew butterfly, um, it wasn't always a butterfly. Our logo wasn't always a butterfly. Our, but, our, our logo used to be... Caterpillar. <laughs> Caterpillar, no. <laughs> yes, it used to be a cocoon. <laughs> uh, it used to be this R, right? And the R was made out of leaves. And... It was good. I liked I really liked it because it was organic. So it was going for kind of the ethos or culture I wanted for this community. Like, we're organic. 
You know, we don't have like the mega church like straight angled letter for our for our you know for our church, but it was organic and leafy, right? And it kind of reflected who we were. But then someone was like, "I love this logo, but what is it?" And I was like, "It's an R. Can't you see? It's the R." You don't just, we don't, we're not called Inu, it's Renu, right? That's why it's right in front of the Inu. That's an R. They're like, it's an R. Oh, I get it. So, and then multiple people started to say this. I was like, no one saw the R? It's like, no wonder. And then Bradley comes around and he's like, hey, you want me to kind of rework this logo? And I'm like, okay, sure. And so he came up with this butterfly and we have various colors to it. But it's the same idea, right? Organic life, renew, right? Um, and what is what is the image of butterfly uh, conjure up in us, right? You think of caterpillars and moths, right? It, transformation, like God is about transforming things in the world. God is transforming communities, transforming people. Uh, it's also uh, an image for death, right? And being remade, being reborn. Right, which is very gospel, very in the Bible. As a caterpillar, you you kind of die in a sense. You make your own tomb of a cocoon, right? Only to be reborn as this different, beautiful creature, a butterfly. So that's imagery, right? That's poetry, and it, it gives us meaning, and it creates culture, and it creates ethos, just like the renewed butterfly. And so when we turn to First John, we're at uh, chapter two. Uh, but I wanted to go through some of the images that John has used up to this point. Um, images in First John. So at the the top of the book uh, of the letter, uh, he he spoke about word of life. That Jesus is the word of life, right? And this is kind of similar to the beginning of uh, the Gospel of John in uh, chapter one, that Jesus was the word. The word was uh, with God in the beginning. And then the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. So this idea of Jesus Christ as the word of life. And this word of life is somehow the key to eternal life, to life everlasting. Um, So this image of eternal life and all of those things being connected to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the source or the way. He's the word um, of eternal life. And then next, John turns to... This light versus darkness imagery, right? If you are uh, children of the light, if you are in the light, then there will be no darkness in you, right? And if you are in the darkness, then you have nothing to do with the light. Um, And this whole idea of purity versus sin. Those who live in the light do not sin. (laughs) And again, John does this classic contradiction. But when you do sin, wait a second, didn't you just say, if you're in the light, you won't sin? But when you do sin, and this is where he begins to talk about, we are children of light and God is light. Again, the image turns to this, God is light. And when we're in the light, we begin to reflect lightness, right? And there can be no darkness in us. And so this idea of walking in God and being covered right, in light. And so... Though we sin on a regular basis, though there is darkness in our actions, in our heart, as we're walking in the light, we become children of the light, and there's only light in us. 
Um, and a part of this idea of God is light, if we're children of light, then we will keep his commands. If we are going to be in the light, we will keep his commands. So those are the images. And if you are familiar with the Gospel of John, a lot of those same images, right, are in the Gospel of John. Word and life, eternal life, light versus darkness. The light came in, shone in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. This idea of God is light, and, uh, um, and Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life. And um, also this idea of commandments, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Um, and then further in the gospel, if you keep my commandments, right, this is my command, that you love one another, right? And kind of this idea that basically the summation of God's commandments, Jesus' commandments for us, and what it means to love God and love Jesus is to follow his commandments, and that commandment is summarized in loving one another. Are you with me? So we turn to our passage, and, and this, new, this image of commandment comes up, and it's a contrast between the old commandment and the new commandment. Right? So, dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment. Right? I'm not telling anything new to you. I'm writing to you, witnessing to this light, witnessing to this gospel, witnessing to this word of life, and it's nothing new. Right? You've heard it from the beginning. You heard it when you first heard about the gospel. That's when you heard it. Also, you heard it, and I think he's talking about both, in the ancient scriptures. Right? You heard it in the Pentateuch, where you know God commanded his people to uh, certain commandments, and you were to follow those. So I'm not writing anything to new. And this kind of, for me, uh, brings up memories of Jesus and Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount saying, what? I came not to abolish the law, right? But to fulfill it, right? So somehow in Jesus, with his words, seemed like he was contradicting or abolishing uh, the old law. Jesus was saying, no, no, no. What, it sounds different what I'm saying, but actually I'm fulfilling that law with my life with my teaching, with how I do things, I'm fulfilling uh, the law, the old commandment. Uh, John goes on, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. And the old commandment is the message that you've heard, the gospel. The old commandment is um, all of these things. But then what's up with verse 8 again? It's like, does John have a split personality or, right? Did something like there's a Jekyll and there's a Hyde? He says, wait a second. I think he wants to take credit for, right, being a cool writer, right? Actually, I am writing a new commandment. I have gained all revelation from God and I am giving something new, right? On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you. So why the shift? If you read on, he says, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light already shines. There's the darkness and lightness imagery. But I think the key is, which is true in him and true in you. Right? That somehow it is a new command, right? a new way of living, different because what he's talking about is this command to love one another and to love God is embodied in Jesus Christ. And then by relation, 
it's embodied in you, in you guys, in the community. If we talk, basically, John, one of the things that John is interested in and is frustrated about is that there's certain people in the church that are teaching false things and saying, you know, the knowledge of God is not this personal thing, right? It's not about knowing God relationally. It's more this intellectual kind of pursuit and even this ecstatic spiritual like endowment of knowledge, right? Of, of uh, this knowledge of God. But what, what John is saying is, that's so disconnected. It's actually disconnecting you from community, from the people around you. you and, and so he goes further. You can't say you know God and you can't say you're a child of the light if you don't love your neighbor, right? And it's possible to know about love and to know about God and not love and connect with the people around you. We do that all the time, right? We come to church or we study the Bible um, but we merely study it, right? We merely examine it without it having tr- deeper impact in our hearts, in our souls, and deeper implications in how we apply the word, apply what we learn um, in our daily lives. And so it's really easy to kind of have just the intellectual pursuit uh, of God or intellectual pursuit of the word, um, head knowledge than having a deeper knowledge, right? Relationship, love relationship with God. And so I think this is what John is making a turn to say. It's a new commandment because just as the word became flesh and dwelt among us, there was an incarnation. uh, God's love is incarnated in you. It's revealed through you, through your life, and through your relationships. Amen? Are you with me? All right. So let's uh, talk about this idea of command, this new command. Do you guys heard of the greatest commandment, right? The greatest commandment by Jesus. What is it? Does anyone know what the greatest commandment is? Okay. Good. So Matthew, if you go to Matthew 22, 36 to 40, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Um, Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 39 and the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these to command. So in Matthew, we see someone asked Jesus, "What it, can you sum up all of this law, all of the scripture, and give us the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, there's two, right? And they're related to each other, right? Loving your neighbor as yourself is related to loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul. There's a connection, and there are two commands. And everything in the law and the prophets uh, depend on these two commands, and so let's go to the Law and Prophets. Where is Jesus getting this? So you can check out Deuteronomy 6, 5, uh, where it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your being, and all your strength. And then, again, in Leviticus 19, 80, 18, You must not take revenge nor hold a grudge against any of your people. Instead, you must love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Right. 
love your love God, love your neighbor. Sounds like a Christian radio station in Seattle. <laughs> love God, love neighbor. And every mission statement of every church ever. Love God, love neighbor. Right? Pretty simple. Um, in John 13, 34 through 35, in the uh, upper room discourse, if you remember, Jesus and John is about to face his death, and he's with his disciples in the upper room, and they share their last supper. Um, John doesn't have uh, the Eucharist meal, the breaking of the bread and the Eucharist meal, but he has Jesus' foot washing, right? He washes his disciples' feet, and he makes that an example of love and how the disciples should love one another. Just as I have served you, you must serve one another. Um, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Right? Jesus takes it, uh, the relationship to the next level and saying, this isn't like a master-servant relationship. I call you my friends. Right? It's very intimate, very personal, very connecting. And he said, do that just as I'm doing this. Do that for one another. Wash each other's feet. And then following that, John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, right? This is the same language in John, new commandment. I give you a new commandment, love each other just as I have loved you. So you also must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other, right? Again, this idea of new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. And that connection, I think what Jesus is doing is trying to make that connection. That just as I have loved you, you in turn must embody that love to one another. right? And you know in John 15, there's more of that abide and me if you're in God. Just as the Father sent me, he send, I am sending you. This, there's this connection again of Here's this relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And there's this love, there's this intimacy, and this connection. And Jesus is saying, see this? See this kind of system? See this type of relationship? It's the same way with me and you. And then it's the same way with you and each other. I want you. So basically, he's taking the two commands and smashing it into one, like, you can't have one without the other. If you have this, it necessarily implies that you'll have this. You get it? If you love God, you will love one another. If you love one another, you're loving God. Right? And so then we're reminded of 1 John, right? If you live in light, right, you'll love one another. Right? If you're children of light, you will love one another. Let me just reread verse 9. The one who claims to be in the light while hating a brother or sister is in the darkness even now. The person loving a brother and sister stays in the light, and there's nothing in the light that causes that person to stumble. But the person who hates a brother or sister in the darkness and lives in the darkness and doesn't know where to go because the darkness blinds the eyes. If you hang out with God, if you keep hanging out with God, there's no way you won't love other people. That's what John is saying, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't compute if you're hating your brother and sister and you say you're following God and loving God, right? Because if you're in the light, right? 
and God is light and God is love, then those things have to be in the same place, right? Does that make sense? I can't be, I didn't have something, I can't be a girl and then be a boy at the same time, right? I believe that's not a good example, <laughs> <laughs> right? I can't be clean and I can't be dirty at the same time. And remember the first sermon in John, you can't have darkness, dark and light in the same time, right? They don't they coexist. They don't hang out with each other, right? Do you notice that? Dark and light, they're never in the same room. It's like no matter if I open that, it's dark in there, I open it, the darkness is going to go away. Even though I try to open the door as fast as I can and see just the dark and the light together, go mingling, right? The light will be there and darkness will be gone, right? And that's kind of what the apparent contradictions that John is talking about, that's what he's getting at is it's identity. If our identity is in God, we must love one another. Um, so that's that's cool. That makes sense. You could have said that in three sentences, Dave, right? <laughs> love one another. Love God. Love one another, right? So what does it mean? Let's put the metal to the road, like rubber to the road. What does it mean to love one another, right? Love one another. I was here listening to radio recently. Uh, Steph Curry won the Most Valuable Player Award. And someone was talking to LeBron, who's also considered one of the best players in the NBA, what he thought about Steph Curry winning the Most Valuable Player. And he said, well, how do you define what's valuable? Right? And the announcer was like, come on! I'd respect him a lot more if he just was straight up. If he just said, well, I think I deserve the award and I'm better than Steph Curry. Right? If we played one-on-one, I'd beat him. Right? And instead, he's got to go say this. Well, how do you define most valuable player? Right? Is it whoever plays for the best team? Or who, if they were injured, their team wouldn't win? Like, how do you define it? Right? And I think we do the same thing all the time. Right? We hear, love one another. Love your neighbor. Love your family. Love your brother and sister. Love, 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 love. But what is love? <laughs> what is love? Ha And you're reminded of another story in the gospel, right? But who is my neighbor? Jesus says to the man, you should love your neighbor as yourself. But who is my neighbor? Ha I got you. Right? And it's easy for us to love our families, Right? No one has to convince me to love my children, right? There's something in my DNA, right? This is my seed. I must love them, (laughs) right? It's just built in. But, you know, so family members, close people, or even people that we like, that we, that we think are funny, that share the same values, that share the same activities as us, people, friends from high school or from our old, old days that we have a lot of history and past with, we like them. It's easy to love them. But what about people we don't like? We don't like their personalities. They actually irritate us. Every time they talk, we're just like, barriers, barriers, shut up, shut up, shut up. Right? 
Are we supposed to love them? What does it mean to love them? What does it mean to love our neighbors? In this context, if John is talking about the church and loving your brothers and sisters in our church and renew in this community, what does it mean to love one another? Does it mean during greeting time, you'll shake each other's hands and say, welcome, glad you could be here? Does it mean that, or does it mean we cry with one another when something happens? Does it mean we walk the extra mile, right, for one another? It's easy, again, it's easy for me to walk the extra mile for my children, right? I, that's my duty, that's my obligation, and it's also, there's a feel that fuels me to do that naturally. But will I walk the extra mile for Timmy? <laughs> well, how much money does he have? No. <laughs> right? It's a lot harder. And um, what does it mean to welcome one another all the time? To be hospitable to one another all the time? To serve one another? To consider other people better than yourselves? To move beyond friendliness or being civil, right? As most of our relationship, there's nothing different. There has to be something different that the community of faith, children of the light, the church has, that the world doesn't have. All of us are civil at work. All of us are friendly at school. All of us are friendly with our neighbor. Hey, Bob, see you're mowing the lawn, right? Great job, looking great. Good to see you. Have a great day. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Fine. Thanks for asking. Right? All of us. What distinguishes us? A community of faith, the children of life, what makes us different is that we love one another. Right? That we love God with all our heart, might, and soul, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. Love our neighbors as ourselves. That really sinks in for me, because I love myself, right? <laughs> and some of you know what I'm talking about, right? When I get ready in the morning, I look in the mirror more than my wife does, right? Oh, yeah. It takes work to get this together, right? <laughs> we love ourselves. And I have to confess Sometimes I forget to feed the kids, right, in the morning <laughs> because I've been making my own food first. And Janice is like, did Cammy eat? I'm like, oh, I was making my own food and I feel so bad, right? We love ourselves. It's easy to take care of ourselves, right? It's easy to make sure our life is comfortable. We have everything just right. I need my coffee in the morning with just the right amount of creamer, vanilla creamer. So it's like, oh, yes. And I just want to sit at my computer, check my email, check all the sports scores, and drink coffee, right? I know how to take care of myself, right? To go, you know, oh, you know those days. Oh, today is a pamper myself day. <laughs> then, I, then I count it. You know, you should have like one every week or once a month. But then I say, I say that every day. <laughs> <laughs> I should just splurge. I should just go eat some sushi, right? I take care of myself, right? So just take that 
love your neighbor as yourself, take how you love yourself and apply that to your enemies. Apply that to your brothers and sisters. Apply that to your neighbors, your co-workers, right? And that's what Jesus is talking about. That's what John is talking about. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your commandments. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that you are the embodiment of perfect love. And as we uh, learn to worship you, as we learn to follow you, uh, we pray that you would rub off on us, your children, that we would love as you love. And where we uh, fall short, I pray that you give us the grace and the strength and the eyes to see and, and the ability, the energy uh, to love other people around us. And God, I pray for grace. Let this not be just another thing that um, is a duty and kind of something that uh, we try to achieve and, and put notches in our belts, but that we truly um, would be moved and transformed by you um, to be better um, lover of people in your name.